You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast. We are part of the ESO Network, which you can find at esopodcast.com. And you can find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, and you can stream it at needlessthingssite.com, where we also provide five days a week commentary on movies, toys, music, pop culture, and all manner of dorkery from myself and our talented cast of writers, which we're adding to. I just added a new one, uh, Christine. Welcome to the fold. Even though I, yeah, I don't even know if you listen to the show, but it doesn't matter because you're providing awesome content. Uh, she had a great article on Supernatural last week that I really enjoyed reading. I, I was a big fan of Supernatural. I guess technically I still am, but I just I can't I can't deal with the brother drama every year. I hate you. No, I hate you. No, we have to save each other. Oh, now we're back together again. Uh, I, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Uh, I just... I, I'm opening right into talking this week because I feel pretty good right now. Uh, everything's going as well as it can. And I, I don't... What, what are my What are my messages? I know I have messages to get across about the site and the podcast and everything else. I just don't feel like messing with that stuff this time because I want to talk about me and the fact that this morning I got up and walked. This is day two. That's it. Just day two of being back into walking mode. I need to be healthier. I need to eat better, which I'm going to take my time on that one because that's that's the hard one, the walking. If I can start walking again. Last year I had a good stretch of, of several months where every single day I was going and walking at the park. Uh, for about I do about three miles you know I, I don't run I'm not a runner because I have to I have to want to do it and I have to enjoy it to some extent and if I run I hate it because I tried it and it's it's not for me I'm not a runner so I, I walked yesterday and realized afterward that I didn't walk enough I usually do I I, I was doing four laps last year which is three miles and this year, I, all I remembered was the three, so I did three laps. And then when I got home, I was like, that, that didn't feel the same. So I looked it up, and this place has, uh, it's a three-quarters of a mile track or walk route, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so I realized I didn't, I didn't do enough. I was doing four last year. So I went back, and I did four today, and it's a difference. I mean, granted, I'm just walking, it's, it's, uh, but I keep a brisk pace. I'm not leisurely strolling. I mean, I am power walking i guess you'd say so i did the the full three miles today and felt great and a little tired and a little sore because i it's been a long time and you gotta understand my desk job my 12 hour a day desk job does not lend itself to keeping one in shape which is why i have to do this extracurricular activity so i did that 
And then I came home and worked on the site a little bit. Had to get up my post about Dusty Rhodes and Christopher Lee, two of my heroes. Had to get that up on the site. Uh, we have a episode that we recorded about Dusty that will go up next week. And uh, then I had to go to the dentist. And I went to the dentist, and things are as good as they can be. Let me tell you. Let me give you a message to the kids. I'll refrain from any kind of cursing or anything for the next few minutes. Kids, brush your teeth and floss your teeth. Take get, get Develop your habits now. Take good care of your teeth. Because when you reach 39, like your old pal Phantom, you don't want to have teeth that hurt all the time. And I guess they don't hurt all the time, but they're sensitive to, to cold and stuff. It's just, it's it's a nightmare. Getting old is not fun, but recovering from 10 years of not taking care of your teeth is even worse. Uh, you know, and granted, it's been, gosh, it's been almost 10 years now since, uh, what has it been? It's been five years, I think, since the root canal. Yeesh! Is, is all I can say about that. So kids, take good care of your teeth. They're the only teeth you got. And for some reason, our gums do not heal like the rest of our body. Like your cuticles heal. Your, your, uh, you cut yourself, whatever. That stuff heals. Your gums don't. Your gums, if you don't take care of your gums, your gums are like, okay, we're, we're out of, I think I got my message to the kids across. So we're out of that mode. The, the warning is back on adult show. Uh, if you don't take care of your gums, your gums are like, fuck you, buddy. We're out of here. And, and they recess and get painful. It's, it's terrible. So I went to the dentist and, uh, I have been taking good care of myself. Everything's great. The only problem is at night I'm clenching my teeth and I have a, a fracture starting. So I've got to get a mouth guard, which is 500 fucking dollars. $500. Guess how much insurance covers? Nothing. Not a bit. Which doesn't make any sense to me because this is a preventative measure to keep me and them from having to spend money in the future. Why would they not cover at least a portion of the mouth guard? But they don't. So out of pocket, 500 bucks. So, you know, if you want to swing a little money old Phantom's way, just go to the Needless Things website, needlessthingssite.com. And look for that little PayPal button and, and send a few dollars over here to help Phantom uh, help his mouth not fall out of his head. Because if I didn't have a mouth, it'd be hard to do this. Uh, what else is going on? Aside from my... my I'm, an, I'm such an old man talking about my health. Maybe we should talk about something a little more fun. Uh, Dragon Con, right around the corner. We've got some Dragon Con episodes coming up. I'm talking to our buddy Sean Again, I want to get him back on the show. Got some cosplay opportunities. Uh, but I, I don't want to focus on that. I kind of did that two years in a row. I want to find something new. So if you guys have any ideas for Dragon Con content, please join the Needless Things Facebook group, uh, Needless Things Podcast on Facebook. Shoot me an email, phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Tell me what you want to hear on the show. Give me suggestions for Dragon Con coverage. If you want to come on the show, if you have a thing that you do, uh, if you're trying to raise funds or, or just want to talk about a specific subject, you guys, seriously, feedback. Give me the feedback. I need it. I crave it. Uh, time to move on because apparently health issues are all I have to talk about today, and nobody likes that. I don't like that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that old yet. 
Time to move on to today's topic, which is Faith No More, my favorite band of all time. Faith No More put out a new album a month ago today, as a matter of fact, uh, although that will not be the case when you listen to this. And I called a couple of buddies, one of them that I've known for decades, and one of them that I should have known for decades, but the the planets did not align until recently, but a couple of great guys. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to find another topic for the three of us to discuss because this is a great episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun, really good chemistry, uh, talked some, some good stuff, man. I mean, th- this one was really great, just sharing memories of Faith No More, uh, talking about the band and the history of the band. This is a good one. You're going to enjoy it. Before we get to Faith No More, uh, my natural inclination today for our musical selection was to play something from the new album, Soul Invictus, but I would rather play something from my buddy, Mr. Tibbs, who's on the show today. He's in a band called The Mystery Men. I've played them before. They're great surf rock. Uh, I, I hate to say surf rock because that almost uh, they they defy that category a bit. To, to certain people who are musically inclined, although those of you who are more casual will d- identify it as such. But uh, Mystery Men are great. You can go on Facebook, look for the Mystery Men, uh, Reverb Nation, I believe. They're on there. But just Google, you know how the internet works. Google uh, the Mystery Men with a question mark at the end, and you'll find these guys, and you'll find some great music. And now, here's a song called The Uncanny Valley from the album Sonos Delirium. Ladies and gentlemen, The Mystery Men. Yeah, I was waiting for that. We're going to be having some pants floods tonight, <laughs> talking about faith no more. Yeah, so, I mean, so uh, I've been I've been flooding my drawers like all day <laughs> in anticipation. So so nobody here is. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I love I love faith no more. I'm a huge faith no more fan. Yeah, that, that song epic. <laughs> yeah, man, I loved that one because that's what you get all the time. Is right. uh, any any time I mention, yeah, Faith No More is my favorite band. First, people are a little surprised because they're not aware there are other songs. Yeah, and uh, and then they say, "Oh yeah, I love Faith No More, man. Yeah, that that with the where he flops like a fish. Yeah, or they bring up that they're somehow respond the. Oh yeah, aren't they responsible for Lint Biscuit and Corn? Yeah, the whole new metal. They started yeah. new metal. Well, and and, and God, I hate that. granted that was not the intended effect, but they are. Cuz I asked uh Corn did a signing at the Mom and Pop record store that I used to go to and I asked one of them about Faith No More and they were like, "Yeah, we fucking love Faith No More." So, 
Well, of course they do. I mean, there's no denying that they were probably influenced and they do love those guys, but you can't you can't put Faith No More in that new metal category. You, you can if you're booking a tour because the only time I've seen Faith No More was when Limp Bizkit opened for them. Go. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that happened and that's it was bizarre. Because and I guess we're starting now. Uh, let's start now, sure. Because we're already we're already into what we want to talk about. Uh, I'm joined by two needless things virgins. Uh, Yay! Needle- oh wow! Terry yeah. hasn't been on before either. No, no. We've, we've discussed topics and stuff, but it just hasn't it hasn't lined up. That's didn't y'all cohabitate at one point in time? Yes, well, I haven't been doing this that long. <laughs> and that was, that was slightly before the days of uh, technology. I, that, that would have been me inventing the podcast. Yeah, we were just talking back and forth down the hall. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Our earliest podcasts were very primitive. Wait, you didn't have it recording? Hey, man, like, you want to play Goldeneye? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Press record on the boombox. It'll right. We'll, We'll want this for posterity one day. Yes, they're all they're all on old reel to reel tapes. Um, so I'm joined, not my real name, just by TV. by two two gentlemen. Yeah, that I believe me. I'm I'm all in favor of the not my real name. I'll let you introduce yourselves. Let's start with TB. Hi, I am TB, also known as tuberculosis or whatever else you want to call me. Oh, but I no, prefer that's terrible, Mister Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs. I like Mr. Tibbs. Or as Beth calls me, Captain Wow now. <laughs> which I find a little insulting. <laughs> I use it as a derogatory thing. I, it, I I can hear her voice saying Captain Wow, and it's not complimentary. <laughs> She'll be saying it with my foot in her mouth. So, so tell us a little about yourself. About me? Yeah, about your drumming capabilities and activities. <sighs> Yeah, I am capable of drumming. I am <laughs> currently capable of drumming in two separate bands. If you want to come see me, one is the Mystery Men, and the other is El Capitan in the band with no name, which we will be playing uh, June 13th if you're in the Atlanta area. We're doing the Southern Southern Fried Sideshow with a bunch of freaks and guys who hang things off their nipples and other appendages. Delightful. Swall- following swords and all that. Will, will Captain and Maybell be there? No, just to kneel. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's going to be that kind of night. Uh, and this is, this podcast is going to go on for hours. No, because right I've got to I've got to be up at three thirty in the morning. So we we're on a strict uh, like one hour from now time limit. <laughs> and, and our other voice joining us, welcome to the show, sir. How would you like to be known? Um, I we can go by my real name, although I have a feeling part of the audience may. Well, I don't know. It depends on the whole uh, high school connection thing. But some people would probably know me as Ranger uh, from a massive that, – and that name actually started from a huge collection of Power Ranger paraphernalia in college. Um, and some of your classmates, Phantom, actually didn't know that my real name was Sean uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, literally up until probably two years ago. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Carly Curtin had no idea my name wasn't Ranger on my birth certificate, so you've done a much better job with your your uh, pseudonym than I ever have. <laughs> so yeah, so um, but no, my name is Sean Reed. Um, I don't play drums in any bands. 
Not everybody um, has to. Okay, that's good. Please, um, please don't. <laughs> um, I'm a professional nerd. Um, and yeah, and apparently, uh, Phantom, you and I, as we've discussed, have apparently been running in concentric circles for a number of years, but uh, only have just met in person, and the world did not end. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some some thought that it would, but uh, we encountered each other live and in person at Joe Lanta and, and had a lovely time and now are trying to pursue various projects. Yes, yes. We'll see how those things turn out. But tonight I, I owe you many emails. We are yeah, yeah, well we'll we'll get to it. That's how things happen. <laughs> uh, tonight is not about our man love for each other. Tonight is about our man love for Faith No More. Damn uh, straight. My, I, I want to start with with how we found them, and, and I do want to keep it just to Faith No More, and not Mike Patton's eight thousand seven hundred and twenty four side projects. <laughs> um, so I definitely want to focus on Faith No More. I and... do want to bring up a small thing about someone else, though. Roddy Bottom has an opera about Sasquatch. Yeah, and that is important to bring up. And you know what? That's fine to bring up because he's really pushing it right now because of the album and the attention they're getting. So that's fine. We can definitely talk about that. Uh, let's start with the start of uh, Faith No More as far as each of us kind of discovering them. Uh, you know, I feel pretty sure back in the days of MTV, that was how I found music. And... uh Seeing the video for Epic, I mean, that was the first thing I saw. Everything about it confounded me, from the shirt that said Mr. Bungle that I didn't understand <laughs> to just the weird imagery, uh, the beat, the music. It wasn't like anything I'd heard before. I immediately was in love with it, and that's where it started for me. I went out and got the album, and the album challenged me even more than that song did because, again, I had never heard anything like edge of the world or surprise you're dead well surprise you're dead maybe a little closer to the metal stuff that i was listening to at the time but uh you know every every track on that album is different and interesting and i'd never heard anything like it and i was absolutely hooked from that point on uh and and i've loved pretty much everything that they've done uh sean what about you how'd you start up uh let's see i was um, a 13-year-old and, like many 13-year-olds, going through a massive identity crisis uh, at my second new school in as many years. And um, really, Faith and War has the um, the interesting title of Dethroning Anthrax is my favorite band of all time. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, we haven't even discussed that. That's an interesting point because Anthrax <laughs> is up there for me, too. Yeah, like in eighth grade, uh, I lived in... Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and moved down here in eighth grade, and then moved again in ninth grade. And you know, I came down south, and I was a huge mullet-wearing thrash fan, and just swore by you know uh, everything that was Anthrax. And then, in between trying to find an identity and fit in, and all of that stuff, like you, I saw the video for Epic, and I don't know what it was, but something about the song resonated with me i had some friends at school that were uh that were drummers that are not the unknown podcast guest um <laughs> but he knows them uh and they were already fans they had uh, they were familiar with faith no more from the uh we care a lot days and they said yeah you have to check out this album and i checked out the album and then um for at least the next three years my identity went from not being in crisis to just trying to be mike Patton, and <laughs> 
<laughs> I actively sought out green Doc Martin Doc Martins, which I actually still have to this day. Um, and I grew my hair out and I shaved it underneath, yeah, yeah, so that I could flop it forward, yeah. And um, yeah. Then from there, it just I mean, I bought every. They're like four bands total I've ever tried to keep up with most of their discography, if not all of it. And Faith No More is probably at the top of the list. Um, and then when I found the internet and I was like, oh, God, I can find all these B-sides that were yeah. European releases that was just that forget it. I, I grabbed absolutely everything. It's funny. Two of those points you mentioned. One, I went through the the uh, single white patent crisis with uh, <laughs> with midlife crisis his look in midlife crisis i attempted to ape uh for for quite some time but i couldn't get the facial hair going on in quite the same way right uh and then i got to go to europe after i graduated high school and i spent all of my money on those b-sides you were just talking about that's all because you go to europe uh in 1994 and there's states no more stuff in all of the record stores, you know, we didn't, we didn't have merchandise here really. Uh, there were singles that came out over there that we didn't get that had B sides that were songs that were just not available in America. And I spent, I don't remember how much money I had, but I came home with, uh, five or six singles, a couple of t-shirts. I mean, it, it was, it was, that's, that's all I cared about. I didn't give a shit about castles and villages and shit. I wanted faith no more stuff. Yeah, actually, I got a chance to go to Germany in high school as part of an exchange student program. And it's as you mentioned that it, it just reminded me. Yeah, and while I was over there, I found a Faith No More T-shirt. It was the black one, with just this says Faith No More and has the that star on it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had to have it. I bought it and I wore the hell out of it in high school to the point where I wore it out. And then, like ten years ago, I went on eBay and bought a new one. <laughs> and, and then, and then six years ago, they went up online and they were selling them on their own website again. Which was yeah, well, we'll, exactly. We'll get to that first. We, <laughs> first, we've got to talk about Terry. How did you discover the greatest band of all time? I think I actually because I was just doing my crossover phase from same hero, same metal and Slayer and everything else, and I was doing the crossover into hey, look, there's this thing called funk and punk, and. That was during I got in a fishbone, and of course back then you have to get in the freaky styley and the red hot chili peppers. However, I will Infectio not make infectious grooves. Come on, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Great, but I'll know be your bot daddy. Yeah, that was when I was getting that, and I'm not going to make any references to the RHCP guys, but. Ugh. Of course, it goes from there when you get, you know, freaky styley and like, hey, there's this we care a lot thing. And at the time I was just like. Because I was like Sean, I was still coming out of the Anthrax and Slayer and Thrash Metal. And that's when I first heard them, and it didn't really resonate with me that much. And I think just like everyone and you guys, it's all epic. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool. And I went out immediately and bought the cassette. And I think one of my first CDs I bought was Angel Dust. And I think that's the one that changed me forever. Forever and ever. Yeah, that that is to me that's my favorite of their albums. Uh and it is the one. It's it's interesting to go back and look at them because the real thing is very eclectic and very different compared to its contemporary releases, 
but oh, then yeah. once you get into Angel Dust and the following stuff from Faith No More, I mean, that it makes the real thing seem like almost a standard metal album. Well, that's what I think. That was the cool part. Is like you're transitioning, you know, from the metal, and there was, of course, there was hints of metal and real thing, but it still had a lot of the, you know, the whiny pass pinch my nose and sound like we're whining a lot. Yeah. But um, it's amazing what puberty does. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think he hadn't uh, found the, the um, megaphone yet either. No. <laughs> yet to find that. But yeah, you go from that, and then I remember picking up, um, I think I, I saw a Midlife Crisis video first. You're like, what the? This isn't that same band. Right. What, and you go buy it, and I'm listening to it, and just completely 180 because they warned you, it's like, hey, this is going to be a real thing. If you, if you saw the making of, um, you saw the making of documentary or See, whatever. I remember Angel Dust being they made a big deal out of it on MTV because they showed up on Hanging with MTV and they played Caffeine. And you know, if you remember Hanging with MTV, it was kind of the after school. We're going to have. Uh, you know, the cool bands of the time come and play live for yeah. a bunch of kids. And then Patton starts doing his inarticulate garble scream into the mic for caffeine. And everybody's kind of confused and their guys up front <laughs> who are kind of banging their heads, but not sure what to do. And, uh, but MTV had a big push for that. I remember the debut of midlife crisis. Uh, I don't know if it was on headbangers ball. I want to say it was, because I think I, you're right. I don't think they had transitioned to 120 minutes yet. I don't think that happened until Small Victory. But I, ju I remember it debuting, and I remember just sitting there, uh, and I'm still surprised at myself that I liked it. But I think, like I said, the real thing was, was just different enough to open my mind up a little bit to some different stuff. And then Angel Dust is what cracked it sort of wide open like i i love these guys and i'm gonna go on a a trip with them yep Which that's one of the that's one of the things that happened to me with angel dust it's like you find angel dust and suddenly you find this weird dark corner in your brain that like hey i now have somebody to hang out with david lynch in my brain here's yeah, this right, weird right. crap called angel dust and faith no more so it's like ever since i found that it's like thanks david thanks faith no more you've now ruined my brain i'm now weird yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I that album came out. So like I said, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and at the time we were still driving. I because my parents were sick, twisted people, <laughs> uh, and so we were still driving back to Pittsburgh to visit family. And I remember I got that cassette like as soon as I heard it was coming out, I, I ran out and got it, and I played it, and that was the only cassette I played. And it's a twelve-hour drive from. At, at like Stone Mountain, Georgia to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I just put on my headphones and that's, I listened to it on repeat over and over and over for like 12 hours straight. And I can't even, my brain is probably so warped today from that experience, but it was, yeah, it was taken out of context. Somebody's going to hear one of us say angel dust was so mind altering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but it was true. Like from that point forward, I was like, I don't, I, I don't need to listen to any other band ever in the history of time yeah. because this is the most amazing thing I have ever heard. And I don't understand half of it. And one of the songs has a bunch of cheerleaders on it. And <laughs> that's weird. 
Yeah, the, it, well, it's it's all they they really have kind of eased you it right up to the new album, which we'll discuss in detail uh, in a bit. But each of their albums has challenged me and and shown me new things, new styles, different things. And it's interesting because there's so many bands that I've loved, and then they they have a we'll 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 mention Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, I I think Blood Sugar Sex Magic is one of the greatest albums, one of my personal favorite albums of all time. Everything they've done after that is pure garbage, and they had a stylistic change, and I didn't go with them. It didn't work for me. And Faith No More, you know, you've got Mike Patton crooning, uh, but something about them is more sincere, is cooler, comes from a different place than what the Chili Peppers turned into. And there's so many bands that have kind of fallen away from me because of things that they've done. When Metallica turned into a southern rock band, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't hang for that ride, but but everything Faith No More from from beginning to now, I, I'm there with them. Uh, that collaboration with Sparks is my favorite song of all time. This this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Oh my! And something for the girl with everything is like holy shit. And I that <laughs> and I never I never would have heard of Sparks if it wasn't for Faith No More. Yeah, or at least I you know it would have taken longer. I, that they're the reason. That I no, became familiar with Sparks. To interject, you actually have heard of Sparks if you've seen the movie Rad. Uh, I don't know that I should discuss the movie Rad because <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten in trouble before for having only a peripheral awareness of Rad. So okay. let's move on. <laughs> Wait, and, so you're saying we'll, it's not normal for everybody to watch it at least twice a year like I do? I will propose this. <laughs> we will all get together and watch Rad and record afterward. That would be awesome. I'll say that right now. Um, okay, so we've made it to Angel Dust. Uh, we're all totally hooked. Uh, like I said, I remember Midlife Crisis. I remember A Small Victory uh, RV? debuting on MTV. Uh, yeah, RV. My gosh. I mean, wh- how did I like that song? That doesn't of, make any sense. Out of all the songs from that album that will randomly pop into my head, usually at inappropriate times, it's RV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you'd just be walking around, but yeah, I sweat a lot. <laughs> What's funny is that we're all hearing it in our heads. That's why we're only quiet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> toss, me, toss me inside a hefty. Um, yep. and, and it is, it's a, I mean, that's a character. It's an interesting thing because Patton in that really maybe more than any other, I think there are plenty of songs where he, to a certain extent is showing different personalities, but that song feels like he's like telling a short story from the perspective of a character he's playing, uh, which is very, to me, uh, in that david lynch world like we're getting a peek into this weird world that for whatever reason Patton has decided to tell us about and i don't know which one of them wrote that song i i i this is my flaw and i don't know if you guys do the same thing or not uh i i often i think 
attribute more credit to him than I probably should for the band. How do you guys look at them? Because for me, I'm very much a frontman vocalist guy. I am not a musician. I have no talent whatsoever, uh, no musical ability. Uh, I was a vocalist for a band for a very brief time, and I say vocalist and not singer for a very distinct reason. Uh, but I look at the front man. I, I'm the, I think I'm the every man that looks at the front man. How do you guys look at them as a as an act, as uh, pieces that contribute? I, as a musician, I never look at front men, especially Mike, as the lead singer, as that front man. To me, his voice is its own instrument, and it's the words become secondary. It's what he does yes. with the words and what he does with his with his epiglottis and everything else. <laughs> so he's not to me. He's not singing. He's just he's adding another melody to it that oh just happens to have words that may or may not make sense. So I don't see him up there. Of course, he's fun to watch because he's the guy. He's got the. Uh, the je ne sais quoi attitude, I don't know, one big word like that, that he's going to command the attention. But when I'm listening to the actual music itself and not seeing it live or on video, you know, I don't look at him mugging at the camera and trying to be all, you know, weird. I hear him as just another instrument. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense because what you said, uh, you know, I'm not a word guy. I used to be. Uh, you know, I, I find that as I've gotten older, I don't know the words to albums that have come out after like 1997. Like I can listen to albums back then and I'd pick up songs and I'd know and be good to go. Uh, but with faith, no more with Patton, it really is. You're right. He's, he's more of an instrument. It's more about the way he's saying things than what he's saying or singing or whatever. Vocabulating. Yeah. Yeah, He's it. It's like this weird postmodern jazz scat thing <laughs> where he's putting words together that you could read in a sentence that by itself might make sense. But taken as a whole, like I couldn't tell you what any of their songs are about, to be perfectly honest. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean um, – Well, I think Jizz Lobber is pretty clear. Yeah, uh, uh, be aggressive. <laughs> I think is also yeah. uh, that that one's pretty clear. Um, and I actually, as a side note, I'm pretty sure that when I I did a brief period where I was a cheerleading coach and I would mix music mm-hmm. for competition cheerleading, and I, I think I actually used that song. And I thought it was awesome. Nobody else had any idea. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I vaguely remember that time in your life. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> that was high so, school, right? Oh no! I ended up coaching into my adulthood. Oh, I coached okay. high school kids, um, and that's when I went mixed in uh, Faith No More and cheerleading music, and um, and the drum break uh, from Midlife Crisis got mixed in as well. I, it was like it became a mission to mix music, mix Faith No More into music and environments in which it would be the most inappropriate thing, like cheerleading moms and glitter and happy people and i'm mixing in faith no more music it was my strange little... dichotomy kicking i, I right. think yeah. i think they would be hey, delighted only that drum break drum break in that song in midlife prices can you throw a bobby brown sample in there and it works yes <laughs> i don't know if you guys know that but that's a bobby brown sample i did not know that yeah really that is brilliant 
Yeah, what is – okay, we'll get – just for uh, Mr. Tibbs' benefit, we'll get a little technical here. What are – you know, as a musician now, – now, Sean, do you have any musical inclinations? Um, I play the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's about Understood. it. Um, so, uh, TB – Yikes. As as far as to get a little technical, what are some things that have kind of blown your mind with these guys? What are some things they've done uh, that ha- have you know? Wow, they are fresh, they are innovative, they are new, and they are always evolving. Well, I mean, the simple fact that you're taking a a hard rock band the way it is, and you're adding you're adding sense to it, you would not hear that back then. That you're adding, you know, Roddy's throwing crazy scents and you're almost doing these weird counter harmonies between the synth and Mike. And at least during that, well, during Angel Dust, you didn't really have Jim doing much because he was hardly ever there. But uh, you had strings, you had synth strings going on. And as a drummer, for me, I was always just amazed that Puffy, Puffy wasn't doing your average drums. He was going crazy syncopation and basically just playing toms. And, oh, by the way, every now and again, I'll actually play like a 4-4 beat, you know, your classic four on the floor with a hi-hat and snare and all that, which is very rhythmic. And, God, I hate saying tribal. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, but that's a lot. I mean, there was because, a lot of counter melodies. Because, let's just say, Soulfly, straight out of Faith No More. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, but that's Cavalera, right? Yeah, that's Cavalera's yeah. Uh, new metal yeah. project. Yeah. So I mean, we can blame Sepultura for that. <laughs> we. <laughs> I just wanted to bring it back around to the new metal. <laughs> we can blame Rada Mahada for um, for Soulfly. There you go. So, uh, so Borden's drums, uh, obviously, particularly of interest to you. Mm-hmm. What what is I mean, what he does? Everybody, I feel like everybody in the band has very distinctive. Uh, obviously, they have distinctive styles, but their contributions. Like if you sit down and listen to a song, you're going to what 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 I've been doing, and I'm not sure what you guys have been doing with Soul Invictus. What quick poll? Soul or Saul? Soul. 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 Soul sounds better. I've been saying Saul because I'm a jackass, apparently. Um, Soul Invictus, in listening to it, I hear different parts of the song every time. And I think more so than most of the bands I've ever listened to, Faith No More, uh, each contributor has that, where they're so distinctive that you do pick up like... One time when you listen to a song, Roddy's keyboards are what stands out. One time when you listen to a song, the guitar is what stands out. One time, like, each time you listen, you can pick up how distinctive and impressive each portion of it is. And Billy would get killed by every other bassist because he actually plays with a pick and he's playing bass. And that's something that ends up being, like, I can hear a track and I can go, ah, that's Billy with that pick. With that tone turned up high, <laughs> and I love it. And what's oh, back to the Puffy thing? I'm going to stay on board and forever. Yeah. Uh, when you listen to Puffy, because you know he went and played with um, Ozzy after they broke up, and with Corn, and, and just listening to it, you're like, wow, this is Puffy. You almost 
<laughs> you almost didn't recognize it to an extent, except for I'd hear, oh, that's, that's his break on that. He's going to throw that fill in to where you, well, at least I could kind of, he was telegraphing it for me because I knew how he was going to play. Right. But it was so weird when he's doing that. He's actually doing, he's playing drums. He's playing that, you know, classic Ozzy's got to play drums like that. And, but yet he gets back to Faith No More and you hear that those giant toms that I don't know how he plays his toms so straight up like that. I, I actually enjoyed that album of Ozzy's better than a lot of Ozzy albums. And I will fully admit it's because I was just fanboying out over the fact that uh, Puffy was playing drums. And No More Tears is the best song, is the best Faith No More song Ozzy ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that is absolutely yes. correct. Yeah. So, uh, did moving, anybody else watch the whole episode that Puffy was on uh, of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? No, no, he I didn't even know that. No, yeah, I didn't either. I, I let me make it clear. I don't watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but <laughs> I saw that Puffy was on it, and I watched the whole damn episode. Okay, just because Puffy was on it, because he went like. The guy's apparently really, really brilliant, which doesn't surprise me because of the way that these guys play. You can't be an idiot. Like, they're not Fred Durst. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so he's a wicked smart and was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire looking like Mike Puffy Borden, you know, dreads and all. Sure. And, and went all the way to the finals. I can't remember if he ended up winning or not or, like, how much he ended up winning. But I was glued to my television set just because I was like, holy shit, that's the drummer from Faith No More. I'm going to watch Regis Philbin and this horrible, <laughs> horrible television show because I can't break away because, uh, like, this band changed my life. <laughs> it was like a weird – it was a little cultish of me, and I'm okay with that. Well, that's but that's a fascinating thing to look at crossover type stuff, which let's take a break for a minute and, and talk about – uh, some of the things that happened, we have James Martin showing up in Bill and Ted. Totally I mean, went to that just because he was in it. That I mean, <laughs> holy shit, that was mind blowing. It was, it was not a good movie. I didn't know. No, I like uh, I like both of the Bill and Ted movies, man. But it blew my mind because I didn't know he was in it. So when he walks out, I was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" Uh, and then. They contributed Perfect Crime to the Bogus Journey soundtrack, which is very obviously a, a song from the real thing, yep. uh, and and a song I like quite a lot. Uh, and then also the Judgment Night soundtrack, which, in oh, my yeah. opinion, is the greatest soundtrack of all time. I don't know. Crosstown Traffic is kind of bad. Crosstown Traffic? That's Living Color. Oh, oh, uh, Living Color and... No, wait. No, no, no. Living, no Color Living Color and Run DMC was me, myself, and my microphone, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic yeah. song. Uh, everything on there. I mean, it, it is so 90s that when – and I still listen to it on a regular basis, and I look down and find myself wearing acid wash jeans with holes in the knees <laughs> and a Cypress so Hill t-shirt. Wasn't that Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth? They did Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then there was Biohazard and Onyx, which was nothing special because they basically got married in the 90s. Uh, but Faith No More and Booyah Tribe, 
of all things. I mean, if you, if anybody listening has even heard of the Booyah tribe, good for you. Uh, there, to me, their claim to fame is the fact that they did a song with Faith No More and probably weren't even in the same studio. And I think, and I think <laughs> and, and, some of them are dead or in jail or murdered or in all likelihood. Yeah. But they were, they were a breakthrough Samoan rap group. <laughs> Oh boy, another one of the Samoan rap groups. <laughs> but, uh, uh, it, interestingly enough, though, uh, wrestler Samoa Joe used another body murdered uh, as his entrance music for years. But, uh, you know, Faith No More, it's interesting because that was just one of those things that happened in the 90s is bands ended up on soundtracks. They ended up making appearances in odd places. Uh, you know, we saw Faith No More on Saturday Night Live. A landmark event, you know, Mike Patton being Mike Patton with his duct tape shorts and uh, just looking. You know what? I just committed a cardinal sin. What? Because I'm confusing uh, Anthony Kiedis's Saturday Night Live appearance with oh. Mike Patton's. Oh no! Patton was wearing the uh, the orangey red striped suit that was pants were yes. cut off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went and hunt, what? Did he have like a tux jacket? Something it was like the that. same thing, and it was tails, and then a, set in a fan. Yeah, like yeah. He, he climbed up and sat in the fan. That well, he climbed all over the stage. I mean, he was up. He, if I remember correctly, he tried to climb up on some kind of uh, like structure because this was when they had the set that had the I beams and stuff on it. Yeah, and I he tried to climb up behind Puffy, and like it didn't quite happen, and. uh and and ended this ended the epic set by flopping around on stage, and then I can't remember what the other song they played was. Did they do "Falling to Pieces" or did they yeah. do something else? It, yeah, it was "Falling to Pieces." Okay, that was the second single. Yeah, I, I knew that was the second single, but I I couldn't remember if it was out or or not yet when they were on SNL. But that was, you know, obviously I love them, but I think that was one of the most impactful Saturday Night Live band performances I've, I've seen. Well, that and Sunless Saturday by Fishbone was amazing. Just want to throw that out. Well, and and for Fishbone, we could do a whole other show about Fishbone because uh, they... Well, yeah. they uh, I want to I say something that Faith No More and Fishbone can shit in a bag and I would buy it. Yeah, I would agree. I certainly yeah, would agree I, with yeah. that at Faith No More. I mean, I, I literally... Well, and that's kind of what they did when they, speaking of those 2009 t-shirts that they were offering, that's kind of what they did. Cause those are some, those are some boring ass designs, <laughs> but, uh, I bought that bag of shit because and, I needed a new Faith No More t-shirt. And even though I, um, I don't want to go on my fishbone rant, but in the same vein of what the hell is Faith No More going to do next is exactly what fishbone does next. Or, you know, Fishbone's the same way. It's like, we're not going to get pigeonholed. Neither was Faith No More. We're going to go out and do the metal song. We're going to go out and do a, a Bird Baccarat type crooning yeah. song. Yeah. So you get to like run your gamut of different music styles and not have to get stuck. And I think that's one of the reasons I love those two bands the most. I was so utterly confused by Swim. <laughs> that was a very metal album. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't understand what was happening, but it's, and it's funny because I, I had kind of at that point pigeonholed Fishbone a little bit. Uh, and then they did that. And while it's not my favorite of their stuff, I love it because they are those weirdo guys. They're another one of those weirdo acts that I, I particularly identify with and, and hold dear. Um, that again, and they make just like Faith the More. 
they make more money in Europe because nobody in the States gives a shit. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows who they are, which is so – I both love and hate it. Like I hate it because as a fan, I feel like, you know – I'm an evangelical on Sunday when it comes to faith no more. Like I'm running around like, have you heard the good word, brother? Yeah. Like, you know, because that is amazing. But at the same time, I kind of love that. Like, I feel like it's this tiny little safe space where it's like, ah, oh, it's just me. Yeah. It's ours. I, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to share it with everybody. You know, it's not, they're not Radiohead. Well, you and, know? and the, uh, you know, un- the unfortunate side to that is because of of that lack of appreciation. We just didn't have the opportunity to see them as much because they didn't tour over here like they did over there. Uh, you know, I, I've my favorite band in the world, and I've seen them once, uh, and and that was, uh, you know, I'm sure I know they opened for Guns N' Roses and Metallica at some point, but at that time, I had no interest in seeing Guns N' Roses and Metallica. And it was at Lakewood, and I fucking hate Lakewood. Uh, and I, I just I passed because I didn't want to go see Faith No More play for half an hour and then be stuck in that. Well, and you're gonna spend a, a metric s ton of cash, yes, for Guns N' Roses concert tickets, right? I, I don't even remember what they were, but it was some absurd amount that, that yeah. was you know beyond my range. I, it just it wasn't gonna happen. I wanted to see him headline, and I finally did. I I've just. You got, I know, uh, Mr. Tibbs, I know you know this story, uh, but at that oh, show. yeah, where you got to talk to him? Yes. On stage? You uh, and, well, what, what, I was working security at the masquerade. Uh, when my parents wouldn't let me go to concerts, I'm uh, staying at home, listening to albums, and you're fucking working the side of the stage. I was working at the masquerade, and <laughs> I asked. I'm not bitter. I, I made it clear that I had to see Faith No More. I was ready, because sometimes. You know, the Masquerade was a fucked, it's a, if, for those that are listening, if you're not from Metro Atlanta, uh, the Masquerade is, was probably the greatest rock venue, certainly in the 90s. Uh, and it's still pretty solid now from time to time. Uh, it's, it's my favorite place to see shows, certainly. Uh, but I worked there, but the management, it's a rock club, so it's a bunch of fucked up, insecure people. And sometimes when you say, look, this band is playing, and it's very important to me to see them, they would say, okay, you can work in the parking lot tonight. Uh, Yeah, that happened to me a few times, but I made it very clear that for Faith No More, if I had to quit, I was going to see them. So they had me work the stage, and I talked to Roddy before the show, and he said, you know, we don't know. We can never really tell what a crowd is going to do. So... What I want, what I would like for you to do is please just protect my keyboards. So I sat right in front of Roddy's keyboards and we had a good crowd. No, like there were a couple of times where a pit started up, but nobody was crowd surfing. Nobody tried to get up on the stage. So I just fucking sat in front of Roddy's keyboards for, you know, an hour and 20 minutes and watched them play from less than a foot away. And it was incredible. And after the show, uh, I spoke very briefly with Mike Borden. He was very nice uh, and had about a 20-minute conversation with Mike Patton where we did not discuss the music of Faith No More. We did not discuss movies. We discussed food uh, because I 
I had at the time I hadn't done the things that I've done now. I was very scared of famous people, particularly people that I idolized in the way that I did Mike Patton or do Mike Patton still. Uh, and I, I, I really didn't know how to approach him, but I had to, cause he was just standing in the hall and I walked up and I said, Hey, where are you guys headed next? And he was like, Hey, we're going to North Carolina. Well, fortunately I'm from North Carolina and uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm from there. I grew up in Wilmington. And he was like, oh, that's awesome. Where's a good place to eat? <laughs> and <laughs> as certainly the three of us know, Mike Patton is a big fan of food. He has almost a food fetish. And I stood there and talked about food, uh, mostly seafood, with Mike Patton for like 15 or so minutes. And it was wonderful. And the only moment of awkwardness was when some jackass came up and was like, hey, man, why'd you take your eyebrow piercing out? <laughs> and Patton uh, was like, uh, it didn't like me, and then turned around and kept talking to me. And the guy like tried to keep going with it. Oh, I just thought it looked really cool. And Patton ignored him, and we kept talking about food, which, honestly, one of the most triumphant moments of my entire life uh, I got married. I had a kid. Those things were both great. But Mike Patton ignored a douchebag in favor of me. To talk about food. To talk about okay. food. That... The last thing you want to do is talk about yourself. And... Right, exactly. I, uh... You know you're sick of that. Like, man, you're awesome. You're great. Uh, yeah, and I didn't – I don't think at one po- – I think I might have said uh, – because I got him to sign a set list um, – I've got a couple of guitar picks from the show, but I got him to sign a set list. And I think when he signed it, I said, uh, you guys are my favorite band. You're just, you're fucking incredible. And he was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, and like, seriously, disappeared into the night. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the one time I got to see them, uh, because they just didn't, it's not worth it for them to tour here because America, you know, America doesn't get it. Well, that's one thing that bugs me is, you I mean, granted, I've heard Mike say Shitlanta tons of times. Well, but everybody hates Atlanta. Yeah, well, I do too because most of the <laughs> – well, no, not for that reason, but I understand why the bands do because there's a certain um, uh, booking company that was here forever. Well, let me – real quick, I earlier today I saw a quote that is one of my favorite quotes I've ever seen. Unfortunately, it's from a comic that I cannot fucking stand, but here's the quote. My last gig was in Atlanta. Unfortunately, my manager made a mistake and booked me in a bad part of Atlanta called Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I mean, that sums it up to me. If yeah, you've been, I mean, if you've been reading my stuff, if you've been listening to the show, you know I'm not a fan of downtown. I'm just not. But that's where you have to go to do stuff. But bands, yeah, bands don't like it. Uh, I've always take, I've always likened it to there was, um, I don't want to say any names or anything, but uh, they were the main booking companies kind of ran a um, an empire. I mean, we know who you're talking about, but yeah, no need to say names. They started with C's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Both of them did. Yep. Um, but that, and what I've noticed too is people are like, man, I can't believe you're not coming to, you know, fill in the blank my state here. And especially, I can't believe, why aren't you coming to Atlanta? Why aren't you doing this? I'm like, hey, jackasses, there's no, there's, the, the bookers haven't called you yet. You can't go, hey, I want to play here. Right. And, you know, some, 
some production company goes, okay, we'll hook you up. Where's your tour manager? We'll get you in here. If there's no demand for it, if no one asks you, you're not going to play. It's not like they're going, hey, fuck you, Wilmington. Right. <laughs> right. And that's what people don't understand is, you know, the, 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 the band guys are not sitting around talking about now granted if you're like a little small scale punk band sure you figure out where you want to go you make contacts whatever but once you get to a national act level that's not how things work no yeah and you're not going to go play anywhere where you can get like oh we can go crash on my buddy's couch right roddy bottoms not sitting at a table with a map of america saying (laughs) all right fellas here's where we're going next Let's go to a city without the letter A. <laughs> um, all right, so we've established Faith No More, uh, very popular amongst us, not very popular in America. Uh, we talked about Real Thing. We talked about, we, we you know, Angel Dust obviously was, was kind of the key moment. Uh, and then we, we move on and we get King for a Day. And, and see, this is, this is the cool part. Is every time they came up with a new re- came out with a new record, your first instinct was what the fuck, right? Because you had yeah, yeah. you had the you know real thing, and you had all the you know the poppy funky stuff like that, and all of a sudden we went crazy halfway industrial because um, there was a lot of industrial stuff as far as the samples and everything else in Angel Dust, which was just creepy, you know, like RV, it was just very very creepy. It made you want to take a bath. It's an unsettle. It's an unsettling. It's very album. unsettling. And then you come out with King for a Day, and they just went high. We're going to play some freaking rock music. Well, actually, you know what though? Between we we do have to mention. Pro- I think honestly, Faith No More's biggest worldwide hit between Angel Dust and King for a Day was Easy, mm-hmm. which is a cover, mm-hmm. which is Mike Patton uh, crooning. You know, back in the day, you uh, it, listeners, Wait. younger listeners may not understand this, but back in the day, mine, you couldn't. Mine, mine went blank. Huh? My mind went blank. Oh, the, um, but it's easy to overlook. Uh, da Fest. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that song is, uh, which is totally about jerking off. Well, which, if you, <laughs> which, if you speak German, no sense those words are fake. Half of it makes no sense. Well, and that, <laughs> that he's just putting a bunch of German words together at that point. He's, songs, uh, songs to make love to is such a weird little collection because you've got a Dead Kennedys cover. Yeah, you have a co- Commodores, right? Yeah, cover, mm-hmm. and then you've got a fucking polka song. <laughs> what? That that is. It's full of Farfig Nugan words. So it is. Yeah, yeah. To, the younger listeners won't know this, but in the '90s, Volkswagen came out with uh, this ad campaign that was Farfignugen, which is not an actual German word. It's kind. It's a couple of German words. It's like to enjoy and drive, and so it's they were like pleasurable driving, but it's not an actual German word. And that's kind of what Mike did for the entire Das Schützenfest song. Um. And using words that were incorrect, like wir machen Liebe, which like, you wouldn't necessarily say. No. Right. We're yeah. making love it's, in but, that right, right. context. But, you know? but it's the, the, uh, the syntax is all fucked up. You're not yeah, conjugating but, that right. Right. The one, there's another word for like love in that regard. Like, Do you know what <laughs> conjugate means, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> conjugate you upside the head. <laughs> Sorry. Had to go and back then, to the beach on 
<laughs> and I'm I'm also pretty sure that noodle schwanz is just Mike just made that up. But that's, you know what? That's a perfect Nugent. I I've uh, I will be taking out my noodle schwanz later and uh, <laughs> servicing myself. Um, but the point For your shoots and fest. My yes, my own personal shoots and fest. Uh, but back back then, songs were inextricable from videos because it was MTV was it. So easy to me will never be anything but patent crooning to transvestites because that's what the video is. And, you know, once again, they, they stepped into this new weird arena that I didn't really comprehend. I didn't like, I understood that it was dudes dressed up as women, but I was like, why are they making a video of that? What is happening here? And it was another kind of mind-expanding, well, this is a thing. Obviously, they find some sort of entertainment value here. This is interesting. It's something I've certainly never seen before. Dude looks like a lady wasn't like this. Uh, and and easy. I, like I said, I believe it is the biggest hit that they've had, and it's an incredible uh, cover. It, it's And it showed as much range as we had seen from Patton Already, that was where we saw Las Vegas Club Act Patton for the for, I think for the first time. And it's my favorite song to sing in karaoke. Yeah, oh, great, oh, great yeah. karaoke song. Yeah. I I I also several times this has not been available, but I really like this guy's in love with you. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, that's another yeah. one. That's Baccarat, yeah. But they've got the backrack version available uh, typically. That but that's my gosh. I mean, just hearing him do that uh, the and self-taught entirely self-taught well and uh, uh well i was just gonna say so there's and on easy there's this one thing that i love about it and and it actually interestingly ties into their appearance in mpv and their appearance on snl like there's always this sort of unspoken thing with faith the more that says we know we don't belong here and we're okay with that because we're playing by our rules. And normally you like you see it in the weird behaviors that Patton does on stage. But in that song, all the way through the song, it is this complete faithful cover sticking with it. It's very much and then at the end Ew Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well no, it's right there after the first verse. It's, oh, uh, it? Yeah, yeah, right, right after okay. the first verse because it is a, it's an incredibly faithful cover. Uh, but even though it cuts out like four verses, yeah, we, which yeah. is but stylistically, <laughs> yeah, 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 like they, they weren't ignoring no that song. Right, it's an earnest cover, but for that one little sound that ew, right? I mean, that's it's it's fantastic, that's their, and that's, the signature they put on it. Yeah, yeah that's them. They kind of they were. I, this is probably why they resonated with me, particularly as a kid. They were this constant finger in the eye of everything. Like whatever you expected, they were doing something different, and yeah. not out of spite, but just out of like you can't define us. You can't put us in boundaries. We're not going to be a metal band. We're not going to be a funk band. We're not going to be. We're going to be this that we want to be, and this we're a unique thing. And they and it's. I mean, sometimes it is just those little things, like a, a random ooh in a song that. 
up until the point he does that is completely sincere and is a faithful cover. Yeah. And then yeah. you go, oh, that one thing makes this a Faith No More song. Yeah, much to the dismay and chagrin of uh, Warner Brothers and Slash Reprise Records. <laughs> they, they would, how long are you guys going to keep doing this, guys? Where's, where's Epic? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. they, they certainly kept doing it with King for a Day. Which, uh, and, and you're right. It was, it was a rock album, but nobody's buying it as a rock album because you, you don't, you know, yes, it opens up with a powerful track. I mean, get out while it is distinctively faith no more. It, it's, a little weird, but it's high powered. You go into Ricochet and then evidence pops in and it's not a rock album anymore. Which it's, is the smoothest video around. That video was freaking smooth. It's the smoothest song around. Uh, I mean, and, and really it's interesting because the portions of that album are there. There's so many just different styles even over what happened on angel dust mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it really is everything that they've done and i, I we keep i keep saying this because I, I i don't know another way to say it they're just so different they're so we're gonna do what we want to do and we kind of don't care how it goes well and, uh, i hate people always make fun of me because everyone's like oh angel dust is my favorite i gotta say at this point in my life king four day is my favorite really yeah it is because of the fact that uh let's not mike for a little bit um he is he's gotten very very heavily reliant on tons of wet reverb yeah. on on using his microphone to really throw some um some fuzz and some distortion into that voice to basically mask his voice behind a, a bunch of effects right which was in like um angel dust that his vocal tracks are just slathered with wet and reverb and echo and everything else and delay when you listen to king for a day there's a little bit on it but it is raw and it's pretty much him screaming the entire time or singing crooning you right. don't have a lot of the you know the fancy pantsy noisy type stuff it's just it ends up being them in a raw form just like you're throwing a couple of mics on them and they're just rocking out that's why i love that so much and it is uh every album for them is a landmark album they're they're the only band that doesn't have an album that i don't like as much you know what i mean like every band that i love has one album that i'm kind of like like every band has a tales from the punch bowl <laughs> that I'm just like, eh, you know, it's still them. I still dig it. Okay. That's cool. But faith no more, every single album I love now. And, and yes, I do have a favorite, but I love all of them, which is why. And, and we've, we kind of need to move along. I hate to give short shrift to uh King for a day or album of the year, but I think we've gotten the point now that they make incredible diverse albums with, with lots of different sounds on them. They're incredibly talented guys. But the point of this was that Faith No More released a new album on May 19th called Soul Invictus. Uh, and it has been, you know, as much as, and 
pop culture is a whole different conversation we could have. It's very different now, a band releasing an album, than it was back in 1997. Uh, but it has been something of a big deal that Faith No More has released a new album. They were on uh, Jimmy What's-His-Face that laughs at his own jokes. Kimmel. <laughs> no, not Kimmel. Oh, uh, Fallon, Fallon. Fallon. Yeah, Fallon. Yeah, they were on yeah. Fallon. Um they were on one of the other shows because I recorded two different shows that they appeared on. I don't remember what the hell they were because I don't watch any of the late night shows anymore. Uh, not because I go to bed early, but because they're not good. Uh, oh, was it the Seth? What's his face? The other? Yeah, guy? yeah. I, th- I yeah. think it was. I think it was the guy that just had Matt Fraction on. Uh, sure, um, Seth Morris. <laughs> but yeah. uh, they, I mean, they've been making media appearances, and they have been treated very respectfully they've been hailed as the geniuses they are you know it hasn't just been hey this band's playing it's uh, ladies and gentlemen faith no more like enthusiastically you get a feeling that these hosts are like happy that they're there they've gone out they've put on good performances they played superhero uh on both shows and i think i'm sure they did the internet only you know, here are the other performances. Uh, Patton was on his best behavior. He sang the song. He didn't fuck off, which, you know what? I think, I think we do have to talk about that a little bit. Um, I, Terry, you and I discussed it a bit. Sean, I don't know how much exposure you've had to it, but I've got, I got a recording of one of their shows from 2009. And I'm sure there's plenty of stuff on YouTube where you can go and look at the live stuff they've been doing for the past six years. The live in Germany record? Right, exactly. Um, you know, I love Mike Patton. He's one of my heroes. But I he fucks off too much live sometimes. You know, I want to hear the songs. And, and I don't want to hear them note for note the way they are on the album. But I want to hear... The words that are in the songs, I don't want to hear when it's supposed to be a verse. I want to hear when it's supposed to be that. Um, I, I feel like that live album I got was very lazy on his part. The rest of the band was rocking it the fuck out. But, you know, Patton was doing an awful lot of singing one verse and then holding the microphone out or singing one verse and then muddling his way through the rest of it. And, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to criticize the guy because who the fuck am I to do that? But you know, I I think all three of us are going to see them July thirty first or July thirtieth. Hell yeah, 30th, yeah. Um, we're all going to see them, and I don't want that shit. I want a good faith no more show. Yeah, the other way, I want it. You want him fucking off? I, I want it. Really? I, yes. Well, yeah, I can kind of go either way because again, it is. So falling back on what we talked about earlier, um, he he's not a vocalist so much as he's this crazy, hyperactive child um, that is an instrument unto himself. Sure. And so there's part of me that, like, there was some – God, what was it? Was it when they played Download? And he would randomly – was it, I think it was in Strip Search, he would randomly start singing Poker Face by Lady Gaga. Yeah. Well, and, now uh, that – see, that's a different thing though. That if you're going to well, insert yeah, – yeah, it, yeah, it's not like – it's not Vince kneeling it where like I can sing half the song and then like I'll sing a half a word and then I'll point the – Right, and, and I, I, that's, I that's what I don't want. I, I want – and granted, there's a 
big difference between listening to that and experiencing that live and watching it. You know, when, when mm-hmm. you're seeing Patton moving around the stage and doing the things that he does, there's going to be a di- big difference than just listening to him, uh, you know, uh, to me, Verbally not be effective. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one way or the other, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy the show, but I, just a little, a little tighter, I'd like. I don't want album versions, but you, you can only fuck off so much before you're disrespecting the audience. And and granted, they've made a career of defying expectations, and, and I don't know outright disrespecting, but you know, when it comes down to it, we are fans, we are paying money, we are supporting them, so there's a certain amount of, you know, we're going to fuck off, but we're still going to give you guys what you want. Well, and when... Uh, when was that Germany performance? Is it recently? 2009. Okay. All right. Because I feel like – so one of the things when I was listening to Soul Invictus, there's a lot. So I feel like Soul Invictus is the sort of natural follow-up. Like if you – if I was in a cave and I didn't know the Faith No More broke up and then it took 18 years before, you know, from the last album to this and when they come out and you played this for me, I chronologically – you could have told me it came out right after Angel Dust and I would have said, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I can hear that. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of tracks on here that when I'm listening to them, I can hear shades of what Patton was doing in some of his other bands, stuff that he was doing in Peeping Tom and a lot of stuff that like he was doing with Tomahawk. And But in those bands, I never took to them like I did Faith No More because Patton by himself is fantastic. But the rest of the band and the rest of the talent that's there almost kind of gives him healthy boundaries so that it's not just totally going off the walls with the crazy like – vocal masturbation thing that he does yeah and so that's that's why i was wondering if maybe it was a situation where he was still heavily in that phase where he was just doing whatever the hell he wanted and everywhere. and and you know what that's a very good point and that's something that occurred to me the, the two factors that i because i like i said i love the guy i want to enjoy everything that he does uh and two factors that occurred to me are what you just said he had just spent uh, you know, over a decade, not being with Faith No More, not having those boundaries, and being kind of the the focal point of all of his various projects, and they did not at that time have any new material, so they were still playing old songs that he was, you know, maybe happy to be playing again, but essentially on some level bored with. So now they have ten. Probably more. I'm sure they've got more stuff, you know, thrown together. But they've got ten new tracks. They are fully Faith No More again. They have been Faith No More for six years now, and they have gotten their chemistry back together. They've, uh, they are a functioning unit. So my thought is that they're now there's a potential for the show to be, uh, you know, a little more along the lines of of what I would like, which is what I saw in '97 or whenever it was. That, you know, he fucked off. He had fun. They threw in some covers a lot in the midst of their songs, that sort of thing. But he, he didn't feel as anarchic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Very true. Um, so to talk about Soul Invictus, because that's, s- that's why we're here. Go ahead. Yeah. When it came out, when we knew it was coming out. We had it like marked on our calendars like it's Christmas. Yes. I, I know I did. It's like yes. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. This absolutely. is FNM day. Right. Our, <laughs> Happy Rick Manning day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is April 6th, I believe. Uh, I remember Phantom when uh, I was talking to you the night before, and I was like, hey, I sent you a link, and it was, um, I think NPR had yes. posted one giant thing. Streaming. And we're going, I want to listen. It's almost like trying to open, like, finding your Christmas presents the night before in the closet and want to take a peek. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Wait for it. And like, yeah, it's yeah. so hard. I just can't. I want to do it. And well, and it's interesting because we talked about, you know, I don't want to hear it that way. I, I want to hear the album. And once I did hear the album, uh, and now I'm over it. Let me be absolutely clear. We're recording this two weeks after it came out. Um, we had some scheduling stuff we had to figure out. We wanted to do it sooner, but now, we, you know, I think all three of us have had plenty of time to fully absorb the album and, and really develop smart uh or or at the very least informed opinions about it but when i i I initially i was kind of like you know i wish i hadn't even heard motherfucker and superhero me too because once you place them in the context of the album which the first thing i thought when i heard motherfucker is that's a weird choice for the first single and i bet it's going to be kind of deep in the album and once I hear it in that context, I'm going to like it more. Because I'll be honest, it's a Faith No More song, but I didn't, I didn't love it. It didn't set me on fire the first time I heard it. How, how did you guys respond to it? I was the same way. And see, what ruins it for me, and this is, I can't stand it from hell, but again, it's like, I have to do it. You're cruising YouTube, and it's like, oh, a leak, um, a, a cell phone video of them doing a new song. Oh, I know. And I tried to uh, avoid that yeah. so much. I listen to all of them. Did right, you? monitor where you're. Yeah. Oh no! I couldn't still, help it. I was oh, like, and you're still so... watching it, and it it doesn't. It made it sound horrible, but yet it was it, again. It was like a trainer. I had to watch it. Oh, you know, I had to see it, and it completely ruined it for me. Oh, I no. was like a homeless alcoholic drinking hairspray just to get drunk because I yeah. didn't care. And that's why offensive to like eight thousand people, but whatever. So uh, okay, so let me. You, so you for guys people use hairspray, asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys heard now, Terry? Did you what, Sean? You heard everything before the album came out? No, 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 not everything. But okay. ever, like all of the shitty cell phone camera, right? Footage and stuff. I was like, I just, I have to hear it. I, yes. I was just, I was. Yeah, I was like a heroin addict. I, I I was so hungry for new songs. See, I knew I knew it would be one the shitty. You know, even if they did a perfect performance, I was like, I don't want to hear it in shitty quality. I want to hear the real thing, uh, not the album, the real thing, the <laughs> fucking music, the real thing. Um, I, I just I was able to stay strong. Um, so you guys, the my point here is the first time you guys heard Motherfucker was shitty versions of it. Yeah. Now, having heard the album in its entirety, having placed Motherfucker within the flow of the album, has has it healed you, or are you still kind of like, eh, that's a that's a weak track? No, it's really healed me. Yeah, okay, it, good. It, yeah, I, I, it grew me a lot, and a lot of it. There's a lot of there's a lot of recurring themes, drum wise, in that. Yes. Coffee is very syncopated in that. He's doing a lot of syncopated marching kind of stuff. Yeah. On a lot of them. So when you hear that, you're like, okay, this is more of that 
<clears throat> that style. And when I listen to it in, you know, in context with the rest of the album, it kind of fits. A, I'm listening to, I'm listening to Puffy first always. Sure. But then it made sense to me. And I kept thinking that, um, I was listening to it going, this has clearly got to be a Roddy song. And the fact that Roddy's doing the, the vocals, the vocals, the vocals on, on yeah, it. Yeah. And actually Mike just gets to be in the background and do, you know, do those chorus. Yeah. I was like, this has got to be a Roddy song, which I don't know if it is. I know Billy said he wrote. It's, ah. it's Roddy and Mike. What? Motherfuckers, Roddy and Mike. Oh, I know. I'm saying like the actual songwriting itself. That, I mean, like, that's who's is credited. That, is is it, them. Oh, is that, that's, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have the physical copy, don't you? No, no. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Oh, which, which granted may be bullshit, but hey, dude, I've got to have notes for this stuff. I've got to at least give the, <laughs> the illusion that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Shit, I've been Wikipediaing a ton while we've been on the call and I wrote down <laughs> notes the other day. Um, <laughs> I wrote down notes when we first scheduled this. I was like, I have a point. I need to remember this. <laughs> um, just as usual, me not bringing notes to class. <laughs> Do, do, do. I'm going to insert the Price is Right fail song. <laughs> right Bob Barker's old. Um, so we've all, we have all placed it within the album. Uh, it's I, become one of my favorites. I Well, I want to say this. This, it again, I said the other albums challenged me, and this one challenged me too. I did not love it the first time I listened to it. Until I got to Cone of Shame. Uh, the first time I listened through the album, Cone of Shame is where I was like, okay, I'm starting to dig this. This is working for me. And you get through the rest of the album, you get to Motherfucker, which by that time I'd heard 150 times probably. It was familiar, and that familiarity was like, okay, that's nice, I like that. And then you get the last couple of tracks, and I was like, okay... Okay, maybe I was being a little dickish because Soul, Soul Invictus, the opening track to is me, beautiful. Okay, that's not what I thought the first time I heard it. Really, Oof. I feel that way now. The first time I heard that track, I thought, "Well, that's a waste." What? I oh man, I, I feel like it was an amazing opening it track. Was. I did not care. I feel that way now. I did not care for it as an opening track the first time. Uh, I really felt like they should have gone with Superhero because my general musical taste, I have no tolerance for, aside from Faith No More, really, I don't have a lot of tolerance for slow, thoughtful stuff. I'm, I'm still, at my core, a thrash metal kid. I want, I want you to open by rocking my fucking socks off. And to sit the first time I heard it, I felt like I was having to sit through the opening track to get to some better stuff. And it really, the the effect of it kind of lingered for a couple of tracks. And like I said, until I got to Cone of Shame where I was like, oh, this is, I recognize this. So after I listened to it, as quickly as I possibly could, I got Mr. Tibbs on the phone or the messaging or whatever it is the kids do now. And we talked about it a little bit. And you said that separation anxiety was the one that, that stuck out to you initially. Very much so. And I knew. Well, when I heard, when I heard, uh, Cone of Shame, I was like, that's Phantom's favorite. 
<laughs> I knew it. I it knew was. Off the bat. It totally was. But after you saying that, because separation anxiety was for me in that part of the album that was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm digging this. And when I went back and listened to it again, I was like, holy shit. Separation anxiety is an angel dust track. Mm-hmm. It totally fucking is. Yeah, and from yeah. there, I had, cause superhero, uh, the first time I heard it. Superhero is king for a day. Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely. absolutely. I, I was yeah, breaking totally them out as, as what song, and I hate doing this, comparing what new song would go on what previous album. But that's what we do as, as, as fucking nerds about That sounds band. like this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And then that's really as humans that we like to relate things to familiar things. It's just well, what and we it's, do. It's been damn near two decades, it's too. Been. I mean, we're working kind of within uh, just being so hungry for something that, but what we have is so old. And it's right. like, well, shit, what did I. My biggest fear hearing, like, when this new album, when I heard they're coming out with a new album, was like, oh, this could, like, are my ears at damn near 40 years old? Yeah. Is it still going to have the same effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and to hear it, I was like, this sounds new. It sounds challenging. And yet it's still a very comfortable place. Like this is still, oh, this is still, there's still faith no more. Like there's still the faith no more that I know and that I love and that like defined my youth. But yet it fits. It sounds like a mature faith no more without being, Metallica with a haircut. Well, and that's, <laughs> and, and that is because it, it, it totally fits within their pantheon of music, but Patton is doing new things he has not done before. There are voices he uses that we did not hear on their prior albums. Uh, Mr. Tibbs, you can yeah. probably speak to this. I feel like there's a theme throughout the whole album of starting with a very simple rhythm or beat or arrangement and over the course of the song adding to it it is it's a it's full of dynamics on that and i've noticed a lot of the songs well except for uh uh superhero mm-hmm. which starts off like it's a album of the year song yeah again mm-hmm. but i want to swerve on that and i was talking to sean about what you know? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite song? Who's your favorite new kid? Kind of thing. Do <laughs> you like Donnie or oh, uh, Call Me Danny? Da- uh, <laughs> was it Call Me Donnie? I don't remember. Are we going to get in an uncomfortable place here? Like in the back of a Volkswagen? No. Uh, no, but I was listening to <laughs> Separation Anxiety. You were the bomb noticed- in Phantoms, yo. Oh, I, I don't know where we went. Uh, it's weird. We went to Kevin Smithland. Show me, show me on the doll ourselves. where he touched you. Show me on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> well, uh, man, you got me sidetracked by dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. But in separation anxiety, I, I was talking about how, and I might have been talking to you as well, Phantom, that um, I didn't say that word. Thank you. I know. It's You're hard. better than I am. About how that song kind of in music form portrays anxiety because there's such a weird tension in how there's the again that syncopated rhythm that he's playing and the way he's going oh separation anxiety kind of going over i was actually in the car i was was stuck in the car for two hours that day and when i got to that song i was like 
I was anxious. Like I needed to take my Xanax <laughs> at that point. And uh, there was a certain tension in that song, and it was beautiful. And it was almost a a very discordant thing. And at the very, very end, when it stops, when the last notes, it doesn't resolve. Because usually you're going to resolve back to your root note. Yeah, it is. It is abrupt. He goes up. I forget what notes those are. Anyway, it it doesn't resolve back on the root note. He actually it it's on the root and he goes up one, and it stops, which is very jarring when you're doing it in music form. If you go off and just stop, yeah, like that. And it, to me, it just created the exact tension of what the song about the name of the song. So mm-hmm. And I hate saying this. I was listening to it today. And the verse parts, and he's actually doing the high-pitched singing. Um, you can hear Chino Moreno doing that as well. I I am, I'm not a big Deftones guy, so I'm not going to get any references unless you're specifically referring to his cover of Wicked with Corn. <laughs> Sorry. Ah! You are just hell bent on just like shoehorning in the new metal. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) No, but there's parts where he sings, and I'm like, wow, Chino could pull that off. And then I was like, no, wait a minute. It's not like Mike's ripping off Chino because everyone knows that Chino has a thing for Mike. And didn't they do Team Sleep? They were on that. What was that? Never mind. But. Okay, I'll drop that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the uh, you know the album, it, it for me, it was an immediate love, uh, which I you know in hindsight I appreciate because I did you know I listened to it over and over. I don't know, I don't know how many times I've listened to it now, but over and over again in a way that I haven't listened to anything in years. Uh, I, I couldn't wait till the next time I would go, I would listen to it on the way into work and I couldn't wait to get out of work to put it on again in the car and listen to it and, and figure it out and wrap my brain around it. And it did, you know, it's obviously very faith no more, but it's very different too. And, and I did have to, uh, not learn to appreciate it, but but it just took it a while to sort of ingrain itself in the way that their other works have. And it swerves you. It's just like, I think you mentioned earlier, it's just like every album did to you. Yes. It's like you listen to it and go, these aren't the guys I had last time. Right. At yeah. first, it's kind of jarring. And you're like, oh, wait, these are the guys right. I had. Right. It totally is. They're They're doing... They're they're using the same tricks, but in a different way. I, I mean, they're it, it really. It, you got actually. I, I've Cone of Shame. I think is still my favorite on the album. Uh, Mr. Tibbs, you said Separation Anxiety is the one that stuck out to you, Sean. What do you do? You have a favorite. Or, or or one that was the most impactful. Maybe not even necessarily a favorite, but one that you were just like, holy fuck, that's that's the I, one. I gotta say the opening track, Soul Invictus. You know, I so two thoughts. I don't know that I have a favorite track. I have a few that I play over and over and I for some reason motherfucker just keeps getting stuck in my head. I think it's just 
because it's a, an easy track to get stuck in my head and probably the sure. one I listen to the most. But, you know, so the the one thing I noticed, I and you had kind of alluded to this earlier, Phantom, is I haven't listened to an album as an album and I don't know how long. Yeah. Because exactly. of, you know, Pandora, Spotify, digital, you know, MP3s. Kind of once I digitized all my music, everything I listened to just became one gigantic mixtape. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first album, and I feel like it's this – if I were to ever go and listen to – like I want to go listen to an album, it would be a Faith No More album. And I would listen to it all the way through yeah. as an album. And this is one of the first ones I've done that to in forever. And so I, it's hard for me to pick out like a favorite track because I feel like – I'm still in that stage where I have to listen to the entire thing, you know, all the way through. And then there, there are songs that come along that I enjoy singing along with more than others. Uh, but in general, it's just, I'm still so stuck in this. I need to listen to all 10 tracks every single time because that's just, I'm just in that level of ingestion. Um, and the slower intro actually, I know you said that you kind of wanted to get like right into it. The slower intro, kind of had the same effect um um state of euphoria you know if you go on that album the that album starts off a little jarring because it's the 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 cello or violin yeah, or whatever yeah. part and you're like what is this like i'm expecting an anthrax thrash album and right then it kicks in well this is like what if they did that entire first track is that kind of jarring cello piece that it's disarming and it and it takes you off guard for what you're expecting from a Faith No More album, and then you get into it and you go, "Oh, but this is a Faith No More album." And then, bam! Like here comes Superhero, and then um, Sunny Side Up, Separation Anxiety. I feel like could have come right off of uh, Angel Dust, um, and then, yeah, and then, and then it's just it's a it's an amazing thrill right after that. Like it, it's weirdly familiar, and yet I've never heard anything like it. Well, and that is, you know, now that it has settled with me, you're right. If it had opened with Superhero, it wouldn't have been as impactful. They they build, Soul Invictus builds it. It's almost like when they were doing the live stuff and doing Reunited. Like, they didn't open with Epic or with Midlife Crisis. They open with Roddy and Mike singing Reunited. And it was powerful. It was like, look at this. Look at what's happening. Hang on. Think about this for a minute. And that's what Soul Invictus kind of is. And now I appreciate it. Uh, and I find, for me, the track, when I'm not actively listening to the album, like when I'm at work waiting to listen to the album again, uh, Sunny Side Up is the track that gets stuck in my head. Me too. I, it's it's. I don't know why. Yeah, I can but totally that see that. Sunny side up, like that just is will go through my head, man. I, it's it's funny. For some reason, when I hear that, like the other day, I listened to it and went, "This reminds me of Hippie Jam song," which yeah, <laughs> which doesn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I that makes sense because yeah. it's it's it is a little funky. It's Fucking a little, little R and B. It's a lot of odd odd time signs, which are a lot in that record. A lot of odd time signatures. But uh I I'm I'm delighted with it. The the highest compliment that I can pay to this album is I would be fine 
if they played every single one of these tracks live when we go see them and to the detriment of older tracks. If they play all 10 of these tracks live, I'll be fine with it. Even if I don't get to hear some of my favorites because they're all that strong to me. Yeah. So let's do the good parts. I'll get to the good parts about Soul Invictus. Okay, then we'll, do it. We'll get, then we'll get to the negative parts. Oh, we should sandwich good, bad, good. Well, um, we sh- we want to end on positive. We okay, we will end so- on positive. So let's let's start with uh, let's start with what you perceive to be negative. Okay, what I perceive to be negative, um, I feel like a lot. And I talked to you about this. Mike going back to his laurels or whatever, going sit, resting on his laurels, I should say, mm-hmm. doing the mumbling. So it, it's kind of a weird thing. He's like, now he's, you know, 50 years old and his voice is like, Ugh. he's getting Tom Waitsy <laughs> and doing the talky thing. We're yeah. back in the beginning. It was, you know, a little 19 year old Mike who was pinching his nose, singing through his nose. <laughs> and now he's gotten to the point where he's like, Ugh. but yeah, he could still, you know, get up there with those octaves. I find that to be a little tedious at times between that and his other projects where he does that a lot. Yeah. That and like how I said, I love King for a day so much because it is raw. I mean, it's just, it's, I forgot who produced that record. Probably Mike Wallace. Was it Wallace? That's, that's what I was going to Probably. Ask. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, I think that's the one that he didn't do. Oh, really? Um, I think it was the first one he did. Andy, do. Andy Wallace. It's Mike Wallace. Why did we say Mike Wallace, the news 60 guy? 60 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> and, no, Andy Wallace produced King for a Day. Okay. Uh, uh, but I think but I don't know what Wallace, too. I don't know to what level he did, because on this one, it actually mentions that uh, Matt Wallace was the producer, but really all he ended up doing was helping with the final mix. So I, I think who's credited and who does stuff and who whatever else, like, I think that's kind of a confusing thing to get into. So let's okay. not. Okay. But King let's for a Day was the first album without Jim, and there was a whole, like, just to not go super further down that rabbit hole, but that album, I always think of that weirdly for being the more straight-ahead rock album is also their darkest album. Which is odd because you had Trey on guitar. Who is yeah. the least rock and roll person? You know, he sings a Secret Chiefs three songs. Says rock and roll is a thing that needs to die, and yet here he is playing this on a on a hundred dollar guitar that he borrowed from somebody and did it amazing. Yeah, but we could we could interpret that phrase in many different ways, and perhaps we will on a future Secret Chiefs three episode <laughs> of the Needless <laughs> Things podcast. <laughs> I digress, but as I was saying, like the my negatives on that is he went back to the Angel Dust part in, in a lot of the other solo albums he's done or not you know other projects he's done is using a lot of a lot of his CD microphone using a lot of really really like the vocal tracks are really wet yeah they're really layered at times and there's he's going to throw on a lot of reverb uh, keep it really wet and use uh, a little bit of Overmodulation, distortion in the in the voice sometimes, which I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you kind of rely on that too much. In the same way that you think he's going blibbity bobbity blue too much, right? At times, that kind of got on my nerves a little bit. Not got on my nerves, but I was like, come on, you can do better than this, right? Buddy. It's not. It's not that it's bad. It's just like 
uh, come on, this could be better. We've visited this before. Yeah, we've right. done that. That was my major, I don't know, it kind of felt like, hey, this is what I do now as a vocalist. And that's why I love with um, the opening song, Soul Invictus. Doesn't quite have that. Mm-hmm. From the Dead, which by the way, you go to Soul Invictus and bookend it with From the Dead, is awesome. Those are great bookends, especially from the dead. So I think it's kind of fitting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, that was one of my my biggest perk on that. Uh, You might be able to correct me on this one uh, or, or explain it or just make me see where I'm a little wrong. My only issue, you know, having listened to this however many times I have, having absorbed it, having uh, reconciled it, my only issue is that I feel like the sound, the overall production of the album mm-hmm. is a little weird. It's a little off. Like it's almost like it's it 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 didn't make it to the final step of production. I think that might have to do with the um mastering. Yeah. Sometimes it sounds like it's a mastering issue, which I'm done with the negative stuff. Let's go back to positive. First off, positive being. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know negative. we we got to end up wrapping this up. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's we totally negative. need to wrap up shortly. So, but uh, positive yeah. thing. First and foremost, this song um, hit Billboard number one hard rock album. Yes. So awesome. Hit number fifteen overall Billboard, which is incredible. I know that, that might be. Is that their highest ranking ever? For an entire album, I couldn't tell you, but yeah, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Yeah, Wikipedia, um, right? <laughs> but that's awesome. I love that. The fact this is what's awesome to me: the fact that you were able to do a record and say, you know what, Warner Brothers, you don't go to a label and say, "Hey, we're back. We want to make another record. Go, 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 give us money." Yeah, that they just sat there and said, "You know what? We're going to use our practice space," and, and they release it on Ipecac, which is Patton's label. I think it was distributed by Ipecac, but it's, oh, reclama- it's, it's on Reclamation uh, Records. Yeah, so they create their own thing. They create their own label. Right. They record it within themselves. Uh, and the mics they use, a lot of the mics they use. Were, tell anybody. Yeah. I mean, when you keep your wives secret from it, but the mics they used. Um, Billy was saying in an article how he just found an old mic that was like a $100 mic that he ended up modding. They make it sound awesome like it's some Norman mic and some really expensive mic that they did it that way. And I think, I don't know if Mike recorded it in his own studio and they sent him all the stuff and he went and recorded it and sent it back to him. Right. But the fact that they kept it completely DIY, completely in-house, completely circumvented the BS industry that I, that's happening right now, that to me is, that's faith no more. Yes. Is saying yeah. F you slash reprise records, Warner Brothers, eat a bag of dicks. But they were able to do that. That to me is awesome. That you use that what you had and that Bill's been recording all the what Brazilian world bands. So I think he had a lot to do with it. Um but I see what you're talking about is there does seem to be a little bit of mastering issue i don't know it kind of seems that way well it's not and it's not that it's i wouldn't even say that it's bad it's just something that i noticed as a whole on the album and and i don't 
it it's just odd. It doesn't it doesn't it's not as clean. Yeah, well, you don't have the money for it. Hey, right, right. You're not you're not getting Warner Brothers money for it and going into you know ten thousand dollar studios. Right, so, exactly. But for what it is, I mean, that was you know when Mike and uh and uh Dwayne were doing Tomahawk stuff. It's that same feeling. Yeah, a lot of that stuff had that. It doesn't. It's not as polished sounding. Well, and I think that is the point. Is that if it had been, you know, one of those smaller scale bands, but we're we're used to Faith No More having the the tip top production value, right. and this is Faith No More when they're just Faith No More, which yeah. which is you know quite frankly is a positive, but it's just something that I was like, this is a little odd. So, I think we've discussed. Oh. I'm going to go one more thing. Yeah. A little bit. See, I got to go negative again. No, uh, no. We, okay. No, 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 no. Listen up. We said our, you know, what song hit us the most. Weakest song on the record. Okay. Phantom, go. Oh, damn. Uh, I, honestly. Okay. Let me look at the list. Let me see if there's one that I really feel like. It, you know what? Superhero. I'm going to say superhero because it lingers too long. It's a minute too long. What is superhero is a minute it, too long. It does. It does. Yeah. Cause it keeps going back in, in, um, but the thing about the that, because all right, I, and I, uh, one of the first things I said to you is there's a lot of repetition, but what, cause he, you know, he, he does leader of man over and over and over for a minute. But the thing is, Behind his vocals, Roddy is doing all kinds of different keyboard stuff over the established beat of the song. So it actually is a minute of different evolving sounds, but I still feel like it's a minute too long. It, it is. I have that feeling too. I was like, uh, you, you're going back and um, you know revisit this line. Uh, it, just like you were saying, each time he's going to say leader of men, will you be one of them? Go back and listen to how many layers of... Will you be one of them? He does. Yes. And there's going to, there's going to be one going up. There's one staying, <clears throat> one staying simple. There's one probably a half of an octave up. And I didn't, I didn't notice that when I first heard it. And I was listening to it in my earbuds going, wow, he's creating like this crazy harmonies of like three different vocal tracks at the same time. And, and almost every different time he goes back and says that it changes a little bit more. But you're right. Overall, I thought it was that song could have been truncated just a little bit. Yeah, well, it's the longest song on the album, and it's sitting between. Uh, this is Wikipedia. I'm, I don't have this off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> uh, Soul Invictus is just a little over two and a half minutes, and Sunny Side Up comes in right about three. So to have the longest song on the album, actually the second longest song. I'm sorry, Matador yeah, Matador is is six minutes. But uh, but yeah, so you've got like a short one, and then you've got that one is five over five minutes, five minutes fifteen seconds, and. I probably what the last minute of it is that repetition. It is literally the last minute because yeah. well, it's the last minute and fifteen seconds because I looked at it at one point and wondered how much of this song could have been cut off, and it's right at the four minute mark where he goes into the repetition of "Leader of Men," and I was like, "This is where this last minute, fifteen seconds, last minute could go." But yeah, I the mean, pace, the pacing on it feels well, and it does stand out because it's the only song like that. Yes, on it's the only album of the year slash King for a Day song on an album that, like I said, feels like the spiritual successor to Angel Dust. 
it's uh and and really you know what what kind of problem is that to have one of the songs is too long <laughs> if, i wish every album i owned my biggest complaint was one of the songs is too long yeah uh mr tibbs do you have a is, the brain. is there a um, week or sean should we sean, oh, do you have a week track that, or do we just all agree that it's superhero I think uh, I agree that it's superhero. It, it, that's the one that I'm most likely to, um, like not play all the way through and just say, sure. okay, take me to Sunny Side Up. Sure, and I'll, sure. I'll get forward on it. The fact that uh, they released that through Marvel, I thought it was perfect because DC. when I hear that DC was it DC? No, 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 they released it on Marvel.com. Marvel. Marvel. It was DC. No, yeah. nope. Why do no, you want because to be Warner wrong? Brothers is a bunch of fucking morons. I thought, <laughs> I thought Jeff John said something about it. All right. He probably did, but that's, <laughs> but it doesn't mean like Marvel, like fucking oh, yeah. Disney knows what the hell they're doing. So they're like, yes, release this song on our website because that would be fucking rad. <laughs> when I heard that song, I was like, dude, this is a, this song is going to close like the next Iron Man <laughs> record. Well, and that's Iron Man movie. That's and what it I felt like. It. Yeah. Well, and how fucked up is DC? Because he actually says in the song with the S on your chest. Right. Yeah. Like. Warner Brothers should have been licensing the shit out of that for Superman. Oh, the they probably don't fucking... want to have anything to do with Warner Brothers, so so there you go. No, this is true. Exactly. There's so, why it like, wasn't. Uh... There you go. It's a big fuck you. They're like, right. we're going to sing a song about a superhero, and we're going to take it to Marvel, you moron. That's funny. Who doesn't actually have superheroes? Well, I guess Spider-Man. I'll call Spider-Man yeah, right. a superhero. I'll be right. fair. Um, okay, Sean, you're least, you're least impactful. I, I would probably say uh, superhero. Um, uh, yeah, superhero probably stands out as the one. Is just like it's as far as like the flow of the album stands out for me. And again, like if that's my only criticism, that's yeah. saying something. No, granted, I was this album I, could have sucked a lot more. Like it, I mean, <laughs> that's something so weird. That's not how I meant it. Well, no, it's, it could have been a horrible disappointment. It, right, it could have been a horrible disappointment, and I probably still would have fanboy wanked all over it because I'm like, fuck, it ain't no more, holy shit, it's been 20 years. You know, so I probably still would have, like, you know, rolled around in it and stuff uh, just because of what it is. But the fact that it is a really good fucking album, yeah, it just so has, you know... I think you're both right in the fact that a uh, superhero does kind of meander and ramble, but mine is Black Friday. Really? Yeah. I like Black Friday. I but- love the fact. I love the fact that they're you know the the acoustic bed on that for the rhythm, but for something about that song it just kind of. I mean, for the most part, they do go into a um, a bridge that's really really cool, but. For the most part, the verses and the chorus just kind of stays on that same note. It's kind of monotonous at times mm-hmm. on that note. That's my only weak issue with that's 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 the weakest link in that album to me. Interesting. Okay, let me ask you this, uh, motherfucker. The first single for the album was released on Black Friday. How do you not make Black Friday the first single released on Black Friday? Because it's a better song. I know. <laughs> and and because it would be too on the nose. Yeah. But I just, it, when I when I saw that, I was like, really? At least make it the B-side, guys. Yeah, but how very faith no more to be like, we're going to have a song called Black Friday. Oh. We're not going to release it on Black right. Friday. Right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, like, I, I would almost be less surprised if they released Matador on Cinco de Mayo. 
just to be like, ha ha, funny right. shit. We got to wrap this thing up. Um, let's just sort of final thoughts, and I'm not going to ask you guys to rate it. Uh, I, th- I think we've discussed thoroughly enough how we feel about it, but just sort of a final thoughts. Uh, let's start with Sean. Uh, 14-year-old inner me is giddy as a schoolgirl, and so is 40-year-old me now. I am, like, I I was so hopeful, and I felt so burned after Chinese democracy, and now I feel so much better about life because <laughs> it's like my safety blanket is back. Mr. Tibbs? Uh, I'm still thinking about 14-year-old him. Mm. <laughs> it was a dark, so dark am I. <laughs> <laughs> Show me on the doll. Show me on the shot. <laughs> uh, oh, we almost made it through the whole show with no pedophilia. <laughs> well, no, I had to bring it back to cool. <laughs> if pedophilia is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> Oh, we've hit the the rock bottom of comedy with Kevin Smith and, and Adam Sandler. Oh, I know that's what we do. Yeah, it's the lowest form. Um, well, let, let me regain mine. Mine was I realized what I've been I realized what I've been missing in music, and that is. How do I say this? Music. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. It, 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 like, well, interesting. Uh, the, like not. It's not Wolf Mother. And <laughs> uh, no, the fact that they can go out and do like like I said in the beginning of this podcast, like Fishbone and Faith No More can do whatever the fuck they want to do, and they're not going to say, "Well, no, we're a rock band. Why am I going to throw you know a, a tango song out there?" And so many times you're not going to get that, and it's not going to sell. You know, I'm going to play in a surf band and surf spaghetti band. God forbid I, I have to deviate from the boom, cack, 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 over and over. Right. Well, see, I get this band and I'm hearing all this stuff and went, okay, isn't that, this celebrates schizophrenia to me. It's, it's Faith No More has that just schizophrenic, I can do whatever I want to, give the finger to somebody and musically and creatively and daily in life, it gave me a happy. It gave me a happy place. It, yes. As a band, Faith No More made it okay to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, good, good. It's it's not just me. It's oh, There's this whole fucking discography that I could just put on and be like, oh, and I'm this today. Yeah, I uh, – we were all, I'm sure, concerned about this album. And, you know, Motherfucker didn't really give us much in the way of reassurance. It was very Faith No More, but it was also different enough that we were like, if there's a whole album of this, what are we going to be looking at? And it released, and like I said, I didn't I didn't fall in love with it initially, but I'm glad because I had to sit and think about it and listen to it over and over again and let it penetrate me and just... <laughs> yeah, I all right. Um, Show me on the doll where the album penetrated, but <laughs> everywhere in all of the holes, every the hole, uh, all my holes are belong to it. 
Does that still come on at 2.30 in the afternoon? Probably. <laughs> that, that was my favorite holes. story. All my holes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I, I had to... Uh, as with all of the other albums, I, I had to reckon with it to a certain extent, and that makes it more valuable to me. That makes it more impactful that it wasn't love at first sight it was it was an earned thing it was no no don't don't put me away hang in there give me you know keep keep uh interacting with me keep enjoying me and you'll get it and once i got it it's it's right up there with everything else they've done it's just as valuable it's just as treasured uh you know i i can it's it's a part of their artwork so you could basically sum it up by saying it didn't quite, you know, you didn't get it right off the bat. So it didn't quite fall into that, you know, Faith No More can shit in a bag and would buy it. Right. Well, it, it no, actually, I, 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 okay. Like, no, here's the thing. Oh, no, Faith, you'd buy Faith it. No More, you would just have to smell it a lot. Right. Faith yeah. No More <laughs> could shit in a bag and I'd buy it, but I might not necessarily love it. I'm going to buy whatever they do, but, you know, once it's bought, then we'll see. And uh, now... We see, and it's it's fantastic. I'm so happy with it. Uh, I've been so excited to talk to you guys about it because I, you're you're both fans. We're we're all on the same page. We're all, you know, we all have the same kind of of worshipfulness towards Faith No More. And uh, this this has been an episode I've been looking forward to more than than really any episode I've done because I knew we were going to be three fans talking about something that we loved and it was going to be interesting to to share perspectives on it and i think we've all had slightly different ones but but in the end we all agree that this album is fantastic it's satisfying uh and in in uh one of my favorite marketing campaigns to another very strange band uh when i don't remember which album it was it might have actually been tales from the punch bowl there was a whole marketing campaign that said if you didn't like Primus before, you probably still won't. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and sell Faith No More to anybody because if you don't like them, this isn't going to change your mind. But if you're come a fan, for the show, leave disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but if you if you did like them, if you are a fan, if for some reason you haven't checked them out yet, which. Uh, Mr. Tibbs, you and I got the weirdest Facebook question the other day. Is the new Faith No More album any good? And I'm like, if you care, you have it by now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that was very strange to me. Yeah, the bears wear funny hats. Yeah. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, that was odd. But, have you uh, not been reading your Facebook feed? For right. Sake? Right, exactly. <laughs> But uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on, for talking about Faith No More, for talking about the new album. Uh, have you got any shout-outs, any plugging to do? Where can we find you online? What are you doing? Uh, let's start with Sean. Uh, let's see. I am all over the interwebs, uh, but mostly you can follow me on Twitter at Torch Code Lab. Um, that's the company that I do business as. Occasionally, I've written some articles about comic books and treated them like they were actual books uh, for Comics Bulletin um, and Deathpaw, D-E-T-H, like Megadeth, deathpaw.com. The best kind uh, of death. Right, exactly. It's, I mean, duh. Uh, <laughs> but um, 
unfortunately work has been such that I had to put my – I had to take a bit of a writing sabbatical. So um, I think it's interesting, but it's old. So <laughs> – and uh, Mr. Tibbs, where can we find you online? You can usually find me in front of a television. Uh, I just want to plug at uh, 1.30, there is a genital hospital. Um, and all my holes comes on at 2 o'clock. And if you love soaps like I love soaps, genital hospital, I'm telling you, it's freaking amazing. And it's only a 30-minute soap. That's well, You know, they're small genitals. How long do you, how long do you need, really? <laughs> How much soap do you need in a general hospital? Is that your plug? That's yeah. I I play in some bands. You might put your bands over. I don't do that. Well, I'll do it. You're in the Mystery Men, which you can find on Facebook uh, if you look up the Mystery Men, and you're in El Capitan, which uh, I don't do. uh, Do they have a Facebook presence? Uh, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. So just Google El Capitan and whatever you find. Uh, you know, may or may not be the right thing, and you can yeah. enjoy it or not at your leisure. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on, talking about Faith No More. I had a great time. And Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, and we will definitely have you both on again sooner than later for yes. our big retrospective on Genital Hospital. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> one, day, <laughs> one day, Susan Coochie is going to win a daytime Emmy. <laughs> Oh, and I was worried that making a joke about my podcast, Cherry, was going to be over a line. (laughs) There are no lines here. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Good times. I had a lot of fun with that one. I'm sure you guys could tell. We were were really enjoying that one. Uh... Faith no more, Soul Invictus. Get it immediately. Don't don't ask anybody if it's good. If if you don't care enough to just buy it, then you you're not enough of a Faith No More fan to enjoy it. So don't worry about it. Uh, just just buy it. It's great. Um, NeedlessThingsSite.com, where you can stream the Needless Things podcast. You can also find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. And as part of the ESO network at ESOPodcast.com. Uh, on needlessthingssite.com, we post five days a week about dorkery and, and whatnot. I put that over at the beginning of the show. I don't need to do that again. Uh, seriously, I want to hear from you guys. Join the Facebook group, Needless Things Podcast. Send me an email at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Uh, I had to do a little extra editing on that one because obviously Mr. Tibbs is a pseudonym. Well, maybe obviously. I don't know. Somebody could be named Tibbs. But anyway, it's a pseudonym. A friend of mine I've known for decades, and I slipped up a couple of times and called him by his real name, which normally I'm dealing with that the other way because I'll be talking to people who've known me for quite some time and they have trouble calling me Phantom because obviously in day-to-day life they do not call me Phantom. So I did did a bit of editing the other direction this time, but I, I found him, I cleared him out, and we're all good. And you know what? That's all I got. Faith No More is great. I love them. I'm going to go see them July 30th. If you're at the Masquerade Music Park on that day, please say hi, although I won't have a mask on, so I don't know. Figure that one out. If you find me, I'll buy you a beer. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. 
classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. <laughs>